This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit in your home. Well, hey there, families. I am so excited that you are here with us today to listen to a new new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. Terry and I had so much fun interviewing Rebecca Lindenbach, who is the author of the book called Why I Didn't Rebel. And gosh, this subject just lights me up, guys, to think about this um, for a few different reasons. So I know this is something that is on every parent's hearts um, when they have children, right? Especially as your children start to get a little bit older. But it's like, hey, what's going to happen? to my kids when they turn teenagers. I think teenagers get such a bad rap in our society that they're a nightmare or life with teenagers is going to be horrible or painful or filled with strife or whatever it is, right? You hear so many stories and I really believe like in my heart that um, when you uh, parent from a place of connection and relationship and firm kind limits that it doesn't have to be like that when your kids are teenagers and that's why I just fell in love with Rebecca's book when um, it came out a few years ago is because she talks about her personal experience, about what it was like to be raised with a family who really did lean super heavy into connection and relationship and firm kind limits. So I know you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. I want to encourage you that it is good listening for um, no matter what age group your kids are. So if you have really little kids, even if you think, you know, oh gosh, the teenage years are far, far away. Like I don't even have to worry about that right now. I want to encourage you to think differently. This is actually the time you want to think about it because when you're talking about um, implementing certain parenting strategies into your parenting home, you know, that's what we do here at Fresh Start Family is we not only help families learn strategies through our foundations course, through the Bonfire membership program, but yes, we teach strategy. We teach um, what it looks like, you know, positive parenting curriculum, positive parenting psychology. And we also teach parents how to actually implement those strategies into their homes because it often is easier said than done. And it actually takes intention and dedication and work, right? So we we love having um, just a really, you know, integral part and and relationship with our students and our courses and our membership program because we know it, it takes a lot, right? It, especially if you've been doing things really differently, right? I know that's our story here at Fresh Start Family with Terry and I is when my daughter turned three, we were doing things really differently. We were doing things with kind of the traditional autocratic method. We were using a lot of fear and force. And, um, and then when we learned this new way, we had to do a total 180. And that took years of support. And thank God, now here we are. 10 years later, where my daughter is a tween now. She's 12 and a half. And um, now our relationship is so good. I am so confident that she has strong intrinsic control methods. She has strong self-regulation. She has strong self-control. She has the biggest heart. She has courage. Uh, We never, um, thank God, you know, um, listened to the message that we needed to break her will. She's still an incredibly um, strong, you know, strong-willed type of personality that is just an incredible leader in the world. And I can't imagine if we wouldn't have stuck with it all those years, right? So I just want to encourage you that if you have little kids, remember now is the time to actually learn and start implementing some things into your home and think about getting the support you need to actually create a parenting environment, to create a home environment that is based upon mutual respect and um, true power, okay? And if you have older kids, like, you know, maybe your kids are in middle school or high school already and you're thinking, gosh, well, maybe it's too late because, um, you know, I don't have a great relationship with my older kids or I my older kids are rebelling, right? Like, whatever it may be, I want you to remember, families, it is never, ever too late, to change the way you are parenting. Every day is a fresh start. Every moment, every hour, every second of every day is an opportunity to start fresh and follow your heart as a parent. And if your heart listens to this episode and says, gosh, what I'm doing just does not feel right, and I'd like to learn more about how to do it differently, then get started, right? Get started today. But yeah, it's never too late, and it's also never too early. (laughs) It's just the best time is right now, you guys, to think about, okay, what kind of environment 
do I want to have in my home? Do I want to have kids who are scared of me, are intimidated that um, they are going to get, you know, (laughs) um, punished, hurt? Do I want to raise my children in a way where they fear me, where they um, are scared that they're, you know, I'm going to harm them? Or do I want to raise them in a way where we truly have mutual respect? They respect me as a true, firm, kind leader in my home because they want to, not because they have to. Right. So I want you to ask your question, ask yourself that question today as you're listening to Rebecca's very personal, vulnerable, beautiful story about um, why she wrote this book and the things she talks about in this book. I hope that you'll just have an open heart and go grab a copy of her book. Uh, We have it featured over on our shop page of the Fresh Start Family website. You can head there at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash recommend. That's where I've taken all my years of compilations where Um, you know, I've collected books and art supplies and compassionate discipline teaching school tools and self-calming, you know, things that you can put in self-calming bags or self-calming kits. There's just so much over there that you can check out if you go to that page and you can grab a copy of Rebecca's book, Why I Didn't Rebel While You're There. So without further ado, families, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. I love you all and I see you. I admire you. I am so grateful to be cheering you on along this wild and wonderful journey we call parenthood. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show! Well, hey there, families, and welcome to another episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. We are so excited to be here today with Rebecca Lindenback, and Rebecca's going to talk to us about six ways to raise kiddos who don't rebel. This is going to be such a good conversation, you guys. Um, Rebecca is an author and a blogger, and she's dedicated to helping people challenge the status quo and find their unique calling in Christ. We always say any um, friend of Jesus is a friend of ours. So welcome, Rebecca. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. Yes. Um, So what's really cool about Rebecca's work, um, I I found you a few years ago, Rebecca, when I learned about your book, um, Why I Didn't Rebel. What year was that published? It's been a few years. It was published in 2017. So it's coming up on its third birthday in October. Nice. (laughs) And I bet it's still doing great in the world. Um, But I, when I learned about your book, Why I Didn't Rebel, um, I was just instantly so excited to learn more and I heard your story and I was just so drawn to what we're going to talk about today which you cover in the book and it's just your story is really incredible and I was really drawn to your family because you and your mom and your sister right and mm-hmm. work do a lot of work together and it is you are just such a fun fun family who you can really tell loves doing life together. And I think that comes across so much in your story about why you didn't rebel. That's so, what we aim for. That's what we aim for. We want to be fun and have fun together, right? That's what we all want as families. I love it. So I'm glad that we we sound like that. That's how it is. <laughs> yes, I know. And that's, that's what we want to do here too, right? I mean, when you talk about serious things, I feel like which both of us talk about a lot, it's um, can get easy to get like very serious and um, I don't know I just think you guys bring a fun tone to the table that is really uh, needed in this world and then your messaging that you're putting out is just so fantastic so um, your blog is called to love honor and vacuum well, and technically it's my mother's blog. I work oh, okay. with my mom. She's been blogging on it for more than 10 years now. And now wow. my husband and I actually work together with her. So yes. we're part of the team. But that's where that's where you find me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, love seeing all the work she's doing in the world and, and how you're contributing. It's really, really cool. Okay, well, let's talk about um, our subject matter for the day, um, six ways to raise kids who don't rebel. And before we jump into these six ways, will you tell us just a little bit about what prompted you to um, to want to write this book and to share your story about um, all of that before we get going? Yeah, of course. Well, like I said, my mom has this really big website where she has, she talks about parenting, she talks about marriage, she talks about sex, pretty much everything in the family sphere. 
And for years, she had been talking about parenting, about how you can do things to help your kids, to help your kids embrace Christ, to help your kids walk forward in their own personal faith, um, to help your kids wrestle with doubts and to help raise kids who don't rebel. And she kept on getting comments um, from people saying, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to help your kids. The best thing you can do is when they're 13, you kind of flip a coin, close your eyes and hope that eventually they come back around the dark side of the moon. Right. And my mom kept hearing these comments and saying, you know, obviously there's never any guarantees. You know, we live with free will. God decided to give it to us for better or for worse. And so kids are sometimes just going to make decisions you don't want to make. That doesn't mean you can't do anything. That doesn't mean that parents are powerless. That doesn't mean that being a parent doesn't mean something. And so what she said to me is when I was in university, she called me up one day. She said, Rebecca, no one's listening to me, but you didn't rebel. So why don't you write me a blog post saying why you didn't rebel? Because then they can't necessarily argue as much because it's your story. It's not some parent saying, hey, look what I did so well. It's you saying, here's what my mom did so well. So it was solicited from my mother, I will admit, but it was entirely honest. So I said I didn't want to do it. Right. No interest whatsoever. I was in school at the time I was busy. I said, no, I'm not going to write for your blog. So then I'm sitting in a stats class, super bored. And I just write out this blog post in 15 minutes in a stats, <laughs> po- in a stats class. I kid you not. It goes completely viral the next month. We get it. Um, it's read by over a quarter of a million people in the first three weeks alone. Um, we get over a million impressions on Facebook. We're getting emails left, right, and center from parents just saying, this gave me hope that maybe what I'm doing is actually making a difference. And it's making us have conversations as a family that we never thought that we would have, that we would be able to have with our kids. You know, having those conversations about what are you struggling with, with God? Where do you see God in your life? Those kinds of heart conversations that are so hard to approach, reading what I was saying about it was helping them have those conversations. So I said, well, that's nice. And I didn't give it a second thought. Yeah. And then, of course, a year later or so, my, my mom comes to me again. It's like, you know, this thing is still blowing up. You should write a book. And again, I said no, because, again, I was in school. I was busy. You were and rebelling. Then I was rebelling. <laughs> this is the most rebellious time that I had in my whole life. Yeah. You know, and I was just ignoring all of the different signs that were ha- coming my way that I was supposed to write this book. And eventually, long story short, God pounded down all the doors that I closed I ended up getting a book contract for this, and it was published about eight months later. Um, And it's just been going ever since. And I've been talking about it, and I've been able to have these conversations with so many parents. And my hope is that I'm offering a message of encouragement and grace for parents who so often feel bogged down by the shoulds and the failures and the Facebook comparison. And I'm just hoping that through this book, more families learn what it means for them to look more like Christ in their particular walk. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you. But then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. 
I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's awesome. Gosh, and I hope it inspires more, um, you know, kids like you. You now not a kid anymore. Uh, you have a baby, right? You have a little girl now. I do is she a little girl? Exactly. So a little boy. A little, little boy. boy. Yeah. So in twenty years, I guess I'm writing the follow up. But yeah. <laughs> but I, I hope it also inspires more kids who have been raised with this, who become adults, or whether they write it when they're kids or they're adults, to also share this story because I think a lot of times parents who start to walk down, you know, on, in our realm, obviously here at Fresh Star Family, we teach parenting. So they start to kind of walk down this path, but they, it's fear. It's like culture will tell you, you need to do it a different way in order to have your kids listen and respect you. Like there needs to be, you know, usually culture will tell you lots of fear and force, like just lots of like lay the hammer, um, you know, don't let them have an inch because they'll take a mile. And so to have, to be following this path of comp- compassion and grace and empathy and connection and forgiveness and patience and love and all these things, it's hard, right? But when you look at a a story like yours of someone who's been raised in a family like this, who's grown up and now is on the other side of it, you know, is an adult and says, hey, here's my story. And this is why it worked so well for me. This is why, you know, and we're going to get all into that, but it's very inspiring for parents to know that 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 is a beautiful north star and there's then and i just want more and more stories like this because it really does give people the courage to pursue this type of of parenting in their homes yeah and i do want to say um for people who obviously don't know about my book yet um this is obviously a book that's not written as a parenting how-to i wrote it when i was 22 years old okay (laughs) you're not going to have some 22 year old walk into your house and say this is how you should parent your 14 year old that was not my aim right Um, what I actually did was I interviewed 25 young adults and I did an analysis of all their different stories to figure out what made some rebel and some not I asked everyone the same questions we went through all of these in-depth interviews to kind of tease out what were the commonalities and what were the differences and that's what my book is about. It's not just my story. I might think that I'm interesting enough to write a whole book. I highly doubt anyone would want to read it. Um, So it's got more than just my story. This isn't some narcissistic, um, you know, raise myself up to the sky and look what a great kid I was. It was, it's for my own personal research project. And also I brought in a lot of psychological research because I was a psychology grad at the time. Awesome. So it's a lot of that put together. Yes. And, and it is, it's so important to, to touch on that, that your book does highlight those other stories, right? Because me reading it as a positive parenting educator, I'm able to see why, right? Like when you, all those stories that are told, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. So it, so it all makes sense to me, but there's common themes on why it works so well. So it may, if it, yes, not a parenting book and it also Kind of is, but I, I get you. <laughs> it's yeah, not. It's, but... In the book, you get a peek into the brains of the teenagers right. to see what works from their perspective. It yep. kind of gives parents the ability to step into their kids' heads a bit and see why do some things connect and why do some things not. So then you can take that and apply that to your own unique situation. Yes, I love that. And then here at First Start Family, we teach parents why that works, right? Like why mm-hmm. you want to lean into the strategies and then why that creates the feelings and the belonging and the sense of value and purpose and, and power and all that good stuff. So yay. Yeah. All right, Terry. I, I know there's so much, I think, fear around like entering into like, like being a parent of a teenager. Like I <laughs> talk to friends that are just like, um, they look at you and they're like, yeah, man, <sighs> like, like they're dreading it and it's really yeah. sad and um, I, I don't 
I don't put myself in that category, but I know a lot of people and a lot of dads, especially who are just really fearful for what's coming, even though it's not even there yet. And it's like, and like they're powerless, um, Mm -hmm. or like, like you were saying, like there's nothing that they can do or participate in it. They just have to, um, let it happen and almost prepare for the worst or try to prevent the worst, which usually is just going to, um, make for a relationship that's not, not very fun. So, and that, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about. Um, I'm going to highlight the six points we're going to talk about and then maybe you can kick us off with number one, Terry, but, um, the six ways that Rebecca is going to talk about tonight. Um, number one, she's going to talk about how, um, it's great if you can find the middle ground between too firm and too kind, which is basically not giving too much freedom, but also not having too many rules. Aim for balance. We're going to talk about number two, how aiming for transparency as a parent, being, um, right, wise, strong leaders in your home, but also making sure you're letting your kids know that you're fallible, that you make mistakes, that you're human who has faults. Number Number three, we're going to talk about um, how we want to focus on what we want, not what we don't want. And Rebecca's going to maybe talk about that little, that idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy. I forget if you hmm. use those words in your book, but you I speak, do. Okay, you do. You speak to it. Um, and then number four, we're going to talk about how if we can aim to be respectful, firm, and kind leaders not autocratic dictators in our home. It works really well. And then last one is have confidence in your kids, which is Terry, kind of what you just talked about. Um, Have confidence in who they are um, and what they're becoming, what they're going to become versus having fear or doubt. And this, I think your words that you use is kind of setting your child's identity. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the outline of what we're going to, oh, and number six, one, one more is prioritize relationship over rules with authentic connected family life. So this is where we get to teach compassion and forgiveness and and grace and patience and teamwork because any family um, is going to have its ups and downs and its its imperfections or whatever. So so yeah, let, let's jump into number one about finding that middle ground between too firm and too kind. Um, so you know, give give me your your perspective. <laughs> I mean, as that kid writing that book. Um, yeah. And then now on the flip side. Yeah, exactly. This idea of finding a middle ground between too firm and too permissive, I don't actually like to use the word too kind because I don't right. think you can be oh, too kind. That is a I good point. I think that you can punish in a kind way. And <laughs> yes, I think that you can discipline in a kind way. And I, I do yes. want to say that, but I think the it's the too firm versus too permissive. It comes from this psychological, um, the psychological idea of different categories of parenting that are measured on a warmth um, versus coldness and then uh, um, strictness versus permissiveness. Um, Such and a good clarification. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much there's three different categories of parents. Um, according to psychology, there's permissive parents, authoritarian parents, and authoritative parents. I'm going to make this quick. Don't worry. Um, but <laughs> Permissive parents um, have a lot of warmth, but a lot of uh, permissiveness. That everything goes. There's a lot of, um, yeah. you know, you're you're letting the kids do whatever they want. There's no real boundaries. Uh, authoritarian parents are kind of the opposite. They're very very cold, and there's lots of rules. It's the parents where there's a lot of punishment without much provocation. There's um, not a lot of ability to question the parents um, or to state your opinion. And then you have authoritative parents where they're very warm, but they're also pretty firm. They're also right. firm. They also can be strict at times, but there's that warmth and relational aspect there. And so even though there are firm boundaries, the child can ask why. Yes, and beautiful. the child can say, I don't think that's fair. And I will tell you something. I did that a lot. Right. I was very vocal when things were not fair in my house. Um, A really, an example would simply be that I was homeschooled for one. So I liked to Skype with friends. And some of my friends, when I hit 15, 16, became boys. Right. (laughs) And my parents were like, I'm not sure I want my 15-year-old Skyping with boys. You know? And that was fair. But I went to my parents and I said, listen... First of all, my friends were international Bible quizzers um, that I met at scripture memorizing conferences. Okay, like these were not that high risk 
males, um, <laughs> I will say. So I went to my parents and I said, listen, if I were in high school, I could talk to these boys all day without you there. Right. So can I just talk to them, Skyping with them, as long as you know who I'm talking to and we're open and honest and it's not past 10 o'clock at night. And we had this conversation about nice. being, we were able to negotiate the boundaries. And that's the difference between authoritarian parenting structure and a permissive parenting structure and authoritative. A permissive wouldn't have really, I wouldn't have had the feeling that I had to go to my parents because there weren't right. really those rules. The authoritarian, I wouldn't have felt that I could go to my parents. Yep. The authoritative is I knew that if I talked to them, they would see my heart. And that even if they disagreed and even if they're still, you can't do it, they would have a reason for why I couldn't, that I could get behind. Because I knew that because we had the warmth and the relationship there, the firmness was not something I had to butt against. It was something I had proof was there for my own good and because they loved me. Oh, it's so beautiful. I always loved it. There, there's a study that I heard about that was done here in San Diego a few decades ago, actually, where they, they studied like a thousand teenagers. I think it was over at Torrey Pines High School. And they, they asked them, um, who would you love to go to if you have a problem? And almost yes. all of them said, my parents. And then yes. they asked them, well, who do you actually go to when you have a problem? And almost all of them said, anybody except for my parents, because they'll either punish me, lecture me, stay up all night worrying, or um, just get, you know, annoyed or irritated, whatever it was. So then you, so it was just an interesting study to, to realize that that is often what happens, right, when we have that that too, too firm of a model. Um, so I, lo I love everything that you're saying, because to be able to actually speak and also have conflict negotiation, right? That meeting mm -hmm. in the middle and, and understanding rules and boundaries, not just do what I said or else. It's really, really beautiful. And that's something that becomes very tricky in the teenage years. And this is where I found in my interviews, a lot of people said this is what the breaking point was for them as the kid. Is it's, you're actually able to get away with being pretty strict when kids are really little for a while. I'm not, it's always best right. to be authoritative. Psycholo psychological research has shown this. But being strict to a seven-year-old has a very different impact to being really strict without reason um, to a 15-year-old right. who's just exploring independence. Right. Yeah. I had a lot of interviews with people who said the biggest thing that they struggled with was that the rules didn't change from when they were 10 to when they were 13 to when they were 16 to when they were leaving the home. And they felt like they were forced to be seen as little children, even as they were growing up to be young men and women. And that's where this um, importance in being able to have the relational aspect with the boundaries is important because this isn't only seen in firm families. What happens in the overly permissive families as well is that there's no discipline, there's no boundaries, there's none of these conversations until you reach a breaking point. Yeah. And then you scream and you yell and you ground and it doesn't really follow through, but there's the hot-headed anger that comes out because you realize, oh, it's gone too far and now I need to do damage control because I don't know how to get control back because right. I don't have it. Um, and so ironically permissive and authoritarian parents can look quite similar when there are fights happening yeah it's what happens going up to the fight that's often quite different right and, oh it's so good that's so awesome so good yeah so, yeah aiming for balance i love it exactly oh and a good, a good litmus test for it is have your kids successfully changed your mind on something oh i love that if yes. your kids have not successfully changed your mind on something Odds are you're either not talking enough or they don't feel like they can. Well, hey there, families. This episode is brought to you by the FreshStartFamilyOnline.com free online masterclass. What to do when your kids say no. Five positive parenting tips to help gain cooperation and dissolve power struggles with integrity. Families, this is one of my favorite topics to teach on. We're going to cover how to gently guide your kids towards action, even when they don't want to move or do what's asked of them. Ways to see kids who push back a lot as incredible blessings and future leaders. I promise they really are. The importance of paradigm shifting with thoughts and beliefs about power-seeking misbehavior and how to implement a pause button or a heart connector to ignite creativity and model self-control. You can head to www.freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash power struggles class. That's freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash power struggles class to save your spot. 
I will see you at class. Yeah. Oh, that's now, such a good point, we, We've got, we've got, well, we've got two that are like that, but one more so than the yes. other. I mean, Stella mm-hmm. wants to know all the rules, all the boundaries, but she's, um, she's really good though about talking to us about things and asking us questions about things where she probably could just hide it from us, but yeah. she's, she chooses to talk to us and feel it out and then... You know, sometimes we bend, but a lot of times she does walk away with having a greater understanding of where we're coming from. And But she's our strong-willed one, Rebecca. So we have a 9-year-old and a 12-year-old. So Stella is our 12-year-old, and she is just that persistent, tenacious, <laughs> out-of-the-box thinker, you know, has that beautiful strong will about her. And thank God, because we, we learned this kind of, kind of stuff early when she was 3. We still had to do a 180 on what we were doing, but... <laughs> But thank God, because it has created this type of relationship now where we can talk to each other, you know, where we can, we can, sometimes we just say, no, the rule's not changing. Like she's, she wants TikTok to save her. Like she wants so bad. She would do anything to get TikTok. And we're like, no, 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 no. You know, and she wants an iPhone out in the world. And we're like, no. But other times we're like, you know what? Okay. That makes sense. Absolutely. Let us, let us, we always call it in, in our coursework here at Fresh Start Family, bending with parameters. You know, you like, you can give, you can, um, you know, lessen the rule, so to speak. And then if it doesn't work out so well, you take back the limits a little bit firmer and then you let them try again in a few days because you're mentoring your children, um, to be able to, to build up those muscles and self-control and all that stuff. Exactly. And I just want to say what you said, where like, if you don't change the rule. She walks away with a better understanding of what it is. And I think that that's something we're going to, we're going to touch on this a couple times as we go through these, these points, but we have this idea often as parents that if you, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. You can't give away any control. You can't even entertain the notion of giving up control or else your kids will stop respecting your authority. And that's not what research has found. That's not what my interviews found. And that's not what anecdotal evidence as well has found, which of course is the least powerful, all those three, but it, it's, Nice. The research has found that if you give your kids some ability to influence their lives and to influence the family structure, it is so beneficial for the parent-child relationship. And as a result, they respect the family more and they respect the rules more and they internalize the family's rules more because you have those opportunities to talk about the why. Beautiful. Yeah. And they feel more valued and more, more powerful. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about point number two, aim Mm -hmm. for transparency. This idea, Mm -hmm. yeah. Wise, strong leaders are also fallible, showing our kids that it's okay to be human. It's okay to have faults. We're not like this almighty, we know it all, even though we do act like that sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Far from perfect. Compared to most 12, 13 year olds, most adults do know a decent amount more. Yes. Um, And that's one of the challenges of raising teenagers, right? For the first time in their lives, they they have the ability to critically think. And so they immediately think, wow, I have become the smartest person in the entire universe and no one understands the world like I do because they don't have any experience critically thinking yet. They don't know how to see themselves as wrong yet. And so when they see you as their parent doing something they know is wrong or illogical or they don't agree with, it becomes this very black and white thinking. And in their mind, it becomes very clear that you've done something very wrong. And so if there's no mention of, you know what, the way I spoke to you was too harsh. You are correct. But the things I was trying to say are still valid. Yeah. If you don't mention that the way you said it was wrong, this little critical thinking training wheels brain is often unable to see the nuance in the conversation, right? I, I share stories in my book about how I grew up in a family where my dad was a pediatrician And there were times when he would come home after losing a kid and it was hard Mm, and it was hard and he would be really, really stressed and he would lose his temper and just snap at us. Mm. You know, he would just snap, just nothing bad, but just, you know, we hadn't done our chores and, you know, it would become a bigger deal than it needed to be. And we would all end up in our room crying because we were just angry. Yeah. But you know what the big thing he did was, is he always came back and he always apologized Right. You know, and he not only apologized and I'm sorry, you have to forgive me now because I'm your dad, but he would be really, really genuine. Like, you know what? That was wrong. The reason I snapped was because of this thing that happened. I had nothing to do with you. Yeah. Oh, I and he would that. say, even though I was wrong in saying these things. 
sorry. And I know that I was wrong in saying these things and I'm going to try my hardest to not let stress get to me the same way. And that meant so much to us because we knew that we could then rest easy knowing that our dad could speak truth about himself. And so if we were hurt by him, we had permission to go to him and say, that hurt me. Yeah. And that wasn't okay. Because we are all human. We all sin. We know that. And by watching my dad do that to me, you know what it's helped me do, which I, I didn't know at the point that I wrote this book. But you know what it helped me do that I've learned is it helped me in my marriage be able to go to my husband and say, the way I spoke to you was wrong. The way I did this was wrong. And that is a skill that I learned from how my parents apologized to me when I was a child and when I was a teenager. It's been something that I hope that I'm able to really act out with my son as well. Cause I know that I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw some stuff up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. But that ability to, to apologize makes your words so much more meaningful to your kids because it doesn't become this power struggle. You can be honest. You can say, yeah, this thing I did was wrong, but this thing still matters. Like it does still matter that we didn't do our chores and we hadn't listened to our mom. No, yes. he shouldn't have <laughs> snapped when he found out that we hadn't done that. He should have had a conversation be like, okay, girls, let's Let's apologize to mother and let's get her done you know but instead of here big deal but we still should have done our chores and we shouldn't have talked back to mom right Right. so we could have these nuanced conversations because there wasn't the threat that we wouldn't have our rights recognized what's so cool about this rebecca and I, i see this happen over and over again with the parents who are involved in our membership group it's called the bonfire so they are part of a community where i coach them every week they're literally like stepping it out every single week they're learning curriculum they're applying it into their life but just last week we had two examples where the parents did this so they they did something and it was like actually a situation where there was like misbehavior going on and the parents actually humbled themselves and said you know what I actually, let me, let us all slow down. I actually contributed to this happening because I was maybe too lenient with the rules or I left something on the counter and the two-year-old got into it, whatever it is. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I take partial responsibility. I just need to go calm down for a minute. And both situations, just this last week, it actually caused the kids immediately to go into a humble state to also yes. take responsibility for their part. Whereas I see it over and over again when parents first time, first find my work, they, um, the kids go into a sense of, um, defensiveness and denial. And so, and, and that's always a signal to me that they're not being taught, uh, they're, they're not being modeled what it looks like to make a mistake or, you know, you know, contribute to something gone awry and then kind of restart, start fresh, make amends, all that kind of stuff. So I love hearing about this because it's, it's all that stuff. And then it's just the ability to have conflict resolution, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how many families are listening right now um, where you grew up in a home where there'd be fights or blow ups, and then you never talked about it again. You know, exactly. it's like, it, and it's so common and it's, it leaves this hole in your heart and you don't understand. And then you grow up to be married or whatever, and you have a hard time having resolution, right? And I realized that it's just such a fantastic skill to be able to humble yourself and come to somebody else and go, whoops. I did that. I did that a little wrong, but I'm still a great person. I'm just, yeah, I sinned. We all sin. And let me redo that or let me make amends. Let me maybe do a makeup. And then tomorrow I'm going to work hard to do it differently. And you still got to get your chores done. Yeah. I'll even find um, situations where it's not even a direct like conflict or something going on with me and one of the kids, but just um, a moment to tell my son or my daughter about a mistake I made just at work or out in the world. Um, just so that, you know, they're seeing it from not just like, Oh, you did this. I did this. I need to clean up like some interaction we had, but it's just like, Hey, I'm feeling a little, you know, down cause I made this mistake earlier. I think I'm going to do this to, you know, to, to make it better, clean it up, but it has nothing to do with them. So they at least just see, me a little bit more as like a human going through like this act of humbling myself and I don't have to be perfect. And then as a result, I mean, especially with our son, it's like trying to get him to not hide things from us too. It's like, you don't have to hide every time you make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And these things with parenting, it can be hard to figure out how to practically apply them. Like these things all sound really, it's, it's nice to think about this, but then how do you actually apply it? And 
Um, again, something I've learned since writing this book is an example from my own family, um, my extended family. I have an aunt and uncle who have a couple kids, and they do this amazing thing at dinner every night. And we're totally stealing it when our kid is old enough. Yeah. Where around the whole table, they tell each other two things. Everyone says two things. Something they're proud of themselves for doing today and a misstep they took today. Nice. And so the misstep might be something as little like, I promised that I would play with you after dinner, but I didn't work efficiently enough this morning to get my work done. And I'm sorry that I wasted my time in the morning, so I can't play with you now. And I'll make it up to you later. Beautiful. It can be something as simple as that. So it doesn't always need to be in the middle of conflict. It doesn't need to be apologizing after you've done something really, you know, hurtful. It could be something where it's just, hey, here's a mistake that I made and I'm apologizing for it. But it also gives you a chance to share the good things too. And I thought that's amazing and we're totally stealing it from them. And we're going to do it when our kids are old enough. But I love that. Uh, A thing you're proud of for yourself, but also something that you did wrong today. A misstep. That's beautiful, Rebecca. Um, Let's go to number three. Focus on what you want and not what you don't want. This idea of like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, the self-fulfilling prophecy. Again, I was a psychology undergrad, so this was the buzzword. (laughs) Everyone loves talking about the self-fulfilling prophecy. Whenever we talk about teenagers, and you alluded to this earlier, Terry, too, where when we talk about teenagers, we get so afraid because a lot of times... Parents come into parenting the teenage years with preconceived notions of what being a teenager is. And often it's from their own personal experience. You know, we have a lot of us who did things in our past where we're not proud of it. Or we hope we can spare our kids that heartache. You know, we want, or, you know, you saw friends or you saw family members or you knew of your parents doing something and it's affected you. And so you want to spare your kid. There's, life is just so complicated And our kids are so vitally important to us that you're watching the most important thing to you, the thing that has the most effect on you and your heart, walking out into this minefield of sex, drugs, and alcohol. Yes. (laughs) And you're just thinking, what if they get their heart broken? Or what if they do something that they regret? It's going to just kill me. Yeah. Right? And I'm understanding this even more now that I have a son. Yeah. But... The major thing that I wish parents could understand and that we've seen again and again in research as well and that I found in my interviews again and again is that what you fear that your kids might do becomes what they believe that you think they will do. Right. If you are afraid your kids are going to get into the party scene, if you're afraid your daughter is going to start sleeping with her boyfriend, if you're afraid that your son is going to get really hooked on pornography to the point that you're obsessing over this fear it's going to unconsciously change how you talk to your child and your kids pick up on it. I had uh, one of the girls that I talk about in the book. um, I believe I call her Haley in the book. She had this amazing story of how her mom and her just continued to butt heads because her mom was convinced that she was just, into the party scene already. She didn't like her friends very much at school. She was a very lonely girl. And the kids she befriended were, were, they were nice kids, but not from the greatest backgrounds. And so her mom was really concerned that she was gonna start smoking. She was gonna start into the party scene. She was gonna start dating and get really physical. And every time she came home from visiting one of these friends, she was grilled, you know? Or her mom would check her phone and read her text messages. and. At some point, Haley just got so frustrated with her mom not trusting her because she hadn't done anything wrong yet. She figured, well, if I'm getting in trouble for the things I'm not even doing, I might as well start doing the things I'm getting in trouble for. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And and it was something where she just felt so unseen because she had, had broken trust without her even breaking it that she figured, what's the point? And that's what's so tragic to me is this idea that we can have kids who maybe are at that crossroads of going down a path where they can have, you know, good decisions that they're going to be proud of in the future and that they're not going to regret or that aren't going to lead to that heartbreak necessarily. And if they feel like they're doomed from the start, often it seems like those good decisions aren't worth the effort. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And obviously it was still Haley's decision to get into the party scene. Obviously it was still Haley's decision to get really physical with boyfriends. Right. But what she says is that a lot of it came out of this feeling of just not being seen or known or just feeling so hurt 
by the fact that the only people who trusted her to be a good person were these people who her parents thought were horrible people. Yes. (laughs) And your kids want your positive regard. It's like what you were saying with that study, right? Like kids want to be able to go to their parents, to pour their heart out to their parents. And parents desperately want their kids to come to them and pour their heart out to them. But when we let this fear that they might do something wrong get in the way of that, we kind of forget that they might not have actually done anything wrong yet and they might not. Yes. And so why would you borrow trouble before it's there? Right? And we can we cannot be afraid and we cannot expect them to do badly and still act with wisdom. Right? Yep. You can still we teach. Can, you can still teach. You know, my parents yeah. did a fantastic job. We just talked about everything. You know, but the big thing they did is they had the opposite expectations. It wasn't just that we talked about all the bad stuff we shouldn't do, is that they actively talked to us like they expected us to do the right thing. A big thing my parents said to me all the time was, you have the Holy Spirit just as much as anyone else. If you don't know, go pray about it, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they really believed not only will we not do the bad thing, but they expected us to do the right thing because they trusted that God was working through us. And they trusted that we were able to hear his voice. And that is such a hard thing to do, but it makes a world of difference. And I found that among so many of my interviews, kids who didn't rebel felt their parents trusted them. And obviously this is a bit of a chicken and the egg phenomenon, right? Right. Yes. Yep. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or our consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. But it is so true. It is so true. And also, I hear a lot of like, I can hear like one specific dad's voice in my head right now. It's like, I trust you. I just don't trust the world, you know? Right, right. But I know that that's kind of just a line. You're like, you don't trust either. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. And I I love, though, how your family also, not only did they trust you and they put that faith in you. I remember one of my early parenting mentors used to always say, just trust in the humanity of your children. They're going Mm -hmm. to grow up to be wonderful human beings. Whereas, honestly, there is like, I'd say, I would guess that like the majority of parents 
are scared more than they are trusting that their kids are just going to be great. They're literally yeah. scared to death. But <laughs> like yeah. anytime their children dips down into misbehavior or makes a mistake, um, that they're, it's like they're doomed. Right. But I, I think what I hear from your, your book and, and just following your, your family and, and the way you were raised is, um, they also trusted that you guys were going to be able to, to work things out if you did uh, stumble and fall a little bit, exactly. that they would be able to come together and support you and get you right back on the track. Like it was not this fear that if you made a mistake, oh no, oh my gosh, I have like, I'm a bad parent. My kid's a bad parent. It was like, <laughs> Hey, here's what's before you. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be, and like, you're going to do great. You're going to do yeah. great. You're amazing. And should something come your way, pray about it. And we'll be here to help you lift you up. But that's what I, that's a feeling I got. Yeah. And one of the things that helps to dispel that fear-based parenting is getting rid of this all or nothing thinking, right? Right. Having a kid who doesn't rebel doesn't mean you have a kid who doesn't sin. It doesn't. Those don't exist. Yes. You know, there is no such thing as a parent who doesn't sin. Like everyone sins. Kids are going to make mistakes. Having a kid who doesn't rebel means you have a kid who has a heart who yearns after God and who follows after him, even in the midst of their stumbles and falls. You know, and so getting rid of this all or nothing parenting mentality where if my kid messes up once, their entire life is going to be ruined. You know, no, we we have a God who redeems, forgives and reconciles. Right. We can move past this. And so having that mentality, too, gives kids a lot of freedom to know that they don't have to live in fear. They can live in faith that they can make the right decisions and that even if they do fall, they can come to you because they know that you're not going to think, well, too bad. I'm going to throw in the towel. Guess all my parenting went down the drain. Yeah. They know that there's this this redemption that they can find, even if they do make a mistake. Oh, it's so beautiful. I feel like we've already covered these last two, but let's, let's do them so. just because, like, just, just a, a quick touch them on them. So number four is uh, be, be a respectful, firm, and kind leader, not an autocratic dictator. So we have, we have touched on this a bit. We have touched yeah. on it, but... I just think back to like my favorite leaders that I wanted to respect the most. It's they were always this like firm, kind leader that cared, that really cared about making sure I felt like a valuable contributing member of the team. Back when I was like working in corporate America or whenever, what other jobs I can think of, those are the leaders that I wanted to respect. The, there were leaders that I worked for that I had to respect because I was I was scared they would just cut you off the chopping block. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, it's you know that's that's what we aim for here in in a Fresh Start Family is just to be that respectful, firm, and kind leader, but not a dictator. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then last one we have is have confidence. Or sorry, I keep doing that. You know, you don't want number six to show up for some reason. Okay, number six. No, number five. I know, but we kind of talked about that. Have confidence in your kids versus fear and doubt. Set your child's identity. Yeah, the fear and doubt and the self-fulfilling prophecy is kind of the same thing. Exactly. What you expect for your kid will come to fruition (laughs) to a certain extent. Let's skip over that one. All right, last one. Prioritize relationship over rules with authentic, connected family life. So, um, and we touched about this a little bit too, of like just making sure you're teaching and practicing forgiveness and compassion and grace and patience and teamwork, because when you are a human family, you are going to have imperfections. You're going to fight with your sister. You're going to have times (laughs) when you, you know, don't like your brother. You're going to have times when you disagree with your mom or make a mistake or talk back or your dad flips out on you and your mom flips out on you. Like it's just like here, one of the love um, phrases that I love is um, relationship plus rules equals respect, where rela- um, rules minus relationship or rules without relationship equals rebellion. Would you agree with yeah. that? I, I think totally. I do think um, something that's interesting that I that I found when talking to everyone who didn't rebel is no one could remember what rules we had growing right. up. We didn't really feel like we had any rules. Everyone who didn't rebel who I talked to would have said they had kind of standards for behavior, ethical codes as a family. But there weren't these strict, like, you are not allowed to do this. There wasn't something on the wall, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) There wasn't this strict kind of rules-based mentality where there were these these strict lines of where you could or could not go because things were very um, uh, relative to a lot of the time, right? right? Sometimes it's good to run around and be loud and scream. Sometimes it's not. It's about context. 
And that was something I found that was really interesting. And a lot of times those quote unquote, like ethical code of conduct um, or behavioral expectations were born out of this relationship, right? We go to our brother's soccer games because as a family, we want to support each other. Not because it's a rule that you must go to your brother's yes. soccer game. Perfect. Microphone right? drop. That's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a big part of this is that so many times, how many times have you heard the adage, like, I'm your parent, not your friend, right? Oh, yes. It's sad. It makes me sad. It does. Because yeah. so many of the kids I talked to who rebelled, they felt that their parents weren't their friend. They felt right. that they were this, this like you said, this dictatorship kind of structure looking down from above, just waiting for them to kind of screw up. Whereas a lot of the kids who didn't rebel, they did stuff as a family. It, that was fun. Their parents were able to be relaxed and goof off and they had games nights and, you know, they went camping or they went for, you know, the cottage together or, you know, they all just went for a walk with the dog after dinner. They just right. did stuff. They just hung out in the living room watching dumb YouTube videos of right. cats sometimes, <laughs> right? Like, these are the things that these families That's... who have this relationship were able to do is you have this downtime where you don't just get to know your parent as a parent but as a person, and that was something that one of the girls who I call Rachel in the book really, really said was so influential for her, was if she wanted to do something that her parents didn't like, she wasn't just making her mom sad. She was making, you know, her mom, who was also a person, sad. Right, it right. wasn't just this idea of the archetype mother who right. is going to be disappointed in you. It was an actual person who you knew, you know, her hopes and dreams, you know, what kinds of things hurt her feelings, you know, when she had, you know, that coffee with a friend where she just kind of felt embarrassed because she spilled stuff on her top and she felt judged. And right. like, you, you know about the little things in her life because you have time to talk. You oh know? my gosh, this is like bringing <laughs> tears to my eyes because it's, it's so beautiful. Like if you can have that with your kids and, and I think these feelings may be felt by other people too, of like people who didn't have that. Yeah. And it's really sad. Like you just, you just want that. And now raising kids like that, I'm like, man, and, and we always say like, you know, our parents, they have past generations, like they had their set of tools totally. and then we have a new set of tools, but I just, you know, you just wish this information was always there for people because it's and I do so want to beautiful. And as an encouragement to any parents who feel like maybe they're too late or they've gone or they've messed right. up or they think they've lost that relationship with their kids, I will say I interviewed a lot of people who really rebelled. Um, right. Right. <laughs> you know, they had horrible relationships with their parents in high school and directly after. And every single one of them, when I talked to them, was in either a period of reconciliation with their parents or they wanted to be or they already had. Cool. You know, if you're if your kid is 16 and you just don't know how to talk to him, you know, it doesn't mean that your story with him is over. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't have a great relationship with your child later. Your child doesn't stop being your child when they hit 18 and they don't stop needing you when they hit 18. I will tell you as a 25 year old who has a six month old, they definitely do not stop <laughs> needing you when they hit 18. Okay. Yes. yes. And so just knowing that if you haven't had that friendship with your children yet, it doesn't mean that you can't start, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean you can't start to just connect with them and just talk, you yeah. know, and often this idea of friendship with your kids has this, um, this mentality of kind of like that scene from the movie Mean Girls where Amy Poehler's like, I'm the cool mom, right? right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to dumb myself down so that my kids like me. And that's not what we're talking about. No, here. we're not talking yeah. about the cool mom. We're talking about just letting your kids know you, you know, warts yeah. and all, right. you know, it doesn't matter. If you're cool. My parents, my parents are wonderful people. And I have full permission to say this on <laughs> right. any interview, but they, are, they were not the coolest of people. Okay. <laughs> my dad taught Latin classes to me and my friends from ages seven to 12, right? Like we're, we're, we are a geeky family. All right. We just are. My mom, sure. She writes about sex and stuff as a living, but when you're all in high school, that's not necessarily as <laughs> cool as no. <laughs> it's just a little awkward. But still, you know, my friends liked hanging out at my parents' house because they were just themselves, right? Yes. My dad unabashedly studied Greek and Latin and went bird watching, right? He didn't mm -hmm. care in the same way if people thought he was cool. He was just himself. And that's what kids need is this this view of authenticity and just 
being unashamed to be who God made you, because at the end of the day, that's what you want for your kids, right? You want them to just accept who God made them to be and to not feel like they need to prove themselves or change themselves for anyone else. And so God doesn't want any different for you as the parent, you know? And I think that can be a really healing thing for parents to understand is that God made you, you, and you are lovable and you are someone that your kid has the privilege of knowing and who he or she wants the privilege of really knowing. Even if you think I'm not cool enough, I'm, you know, I'm just too awkward. I'm too shy. I don't have anything to offer. My kids are, I don't know how to talk to them. I'm just, I'm scared. They aren't going to like me if I let myself break down that wall. Yeah. Your kids already like you. They just want the chance to connect with you. And yes. that's something that we found throughout that's all of the beautiful. interviews. That's beautiful. Yeah, and we and we have, I think, you know, a lot of listeners who have a lot of younger kids, you know, and I think even from a young age, it can a lot of parents get into this idea of just like my kid and I butt heads all the time, or yeah. we're total opposites, or <laughs> um, and then also added on to that this fear of the friendship that culture has taught them. Oh no, you can't be friends with your kids. You see it, you see it all the time. But if you really look up the definition of friendship, you know, it is like an alliance, someone you can yeah. count on, someone you can trust. Of course, we all want that for our children. Um, but it's, but yeah, fresh start family. I mean, we always believe in like the every second of every day, every dawn is a, an opportunity to start fresh. And, and that's what's so cool when you, when you read your book, when you, when you look at any of the programs we teach, we actually teach you how to make connection, right? Like we actually yeah. teach, like, how can you change your discipline strategy or the way you talk to your kids or the way you get them to cooperate and listen in a way that actually connects you and creates a relationship that is strong and full of just authentic care, right? And it, and yeah, it exactly. works. It absolutely works. And it just feels good at the end of the night. So Oh my gosh, this is so good, Rebecca. Okay, so um, tell us now, um, well, uh, just tell us where we can find you. So tell us about maybe some of your upcoming projects, where we can find you if listeners want to get in touch with you. Um, you know, I love your, your mom's work, everything that she's doing with marriage and good sex and tell us, tell us all this good stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so if you want to hear more about the book in particular, why I didn't rebel, I'll start off with that. You can just go, it's pretty easy to why I didn't rebel.com. Okay. Nice. Just why I didn't rebel.com. There's lots more information there about the research I did, where you can get the book, what the book covers, that kind of thing. And I'm going to make sure I put a link on the show notes page for your book too. So they can yes. find it there also. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> As well, if you're looking, um, If you want more advice about more the marriage and sex side of the Christian living world, that's actually what I'm working on currently with my mother. I work on her blog, tolovehonorandvacuum.com. I write there pretty frequently, and she's got lots of good stuff there. I will say it's a weird job to do with your mom. Um, (laughs) I think it's an even weirder job for my husband to do with his mother-in-law. Oh, my gosh, this is so good. (laughs) But, yeah, no, we just talk about how... You know, marriage and sexuality should, again, be something that points us to look more and more like Christ and to get out of all the bondage of the shoulds and the the, the strict rules um, of what we've been told is expected, even when, you know, research have found it doesn't really work. And that kind of leads me into the big project I'm working on right now. Um, literally right now, I worked on it for like six hours today, is we have a book coming out next year, which if you go to the blog, you can get notifications about Um which is going to be called The Great Sex Rescue. And we did a survey of 22,000 women um, to figure out what exactly makes sex great in some marriages and what makes it fizzle out or even painful in others. Wow, this is so awesome. Yeah, and so we're really just trying to be a family who just helps people figure out what unnecessary bondage have we placed on ourselves due to expectations, due to personal like perfectionism, due to, you know, self-criticism that is not from God. Um, What kinds of um, hurdles have we put in our way unnecessarily and how can we overcome them through truth, through um, acting like Christ and through um, putting up boundaries that allow us to protect ourselves while walking in um, the light of Christ and in his truth. So you can find all our stuff there. Um, And one last thing, we do a lot of stuff, but one last thing I just thought about, I'm so sorry I'm throwing this on you right quickly, but my sister and myself and my mom, uh, together with my um, 
my husband, brother-in-law, and another man, we actually created a curriculum for parents to talk through puberty and yes. the whole um, sex conversations um, about um, the social changes in high school, about um, all of these issues are surrounding growing up at multiple levels awesome. called The Whole Story. And uh, I can give you a link to that as well if you'd like to link to that. But if you're kind of stressed out about how do my nine-year-old starting to ask me about where babies are coming from or my 10-year-old asking me why the baby has a <laughs> penis and she doesn't. Um, <laughs> do you want to start yes. talking about these things? Um, my sister and I did the videos for one and then uh, we have three guys doing the videos for the boys and they're broken up into two different age groups so that the conversation doesn't start and stop at this is what sex is. It keeps going for their whole high school, um, junior high, high school experience so that you can keep the conversation up and that you become the person they go to, not the internet and not their friends. Yes, cool. yes, please give me the link for that. I'm going to put it on the show notes page. And oh my gosh, you're up to so much goodness. And I, I, I love over on the blog, I just love your tone it sounds like you do a lot of the writing. I, whoever's doing a lot of the writing. Your tone, you have humor, you're like not afraid to talk about stuff. You just are so authentic in your voice. It's really refreshing and um, really inspirational, you guys. So go check out um, the blog. Go go get a copy of Rebecca's book. And um, thank you so much for being here, Rebecca. <laughs> thank you. It was so much fun talking to you and meeting you guys. <laughs> thank you, Rebecca. I'm just glad I got out of this without having to talk about all of my rebellion things. I know. You guys didn't ask me too many questions. So that's another episode. That's for... another episode. <laughs> Bye, Rebecca. Thank Bye. you. For links and more information about everything we talked about in today's show, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 53. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kid's worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.